when I go to take a look and see if they have a part in stock that I need to go pick up like now. And so many of them will say, okay, shop your local store. And I go to shop the local store and then for some reason their app chooses to change the location. And so when I get down to the item, it says, okay, you know, you can pick it up in an hour. And I'm like, okay, great. And I go to check out and it says, it's in East Hanover. I'm like, but that's not where I was shopping. Growing a business requires a holistic approach that extends beyond sales and marketing. This approach needs alignment among people processes, and technologies. So if you're a business owner, operations, or finance leader looking to learn growth strategies from your peers and competitors, you're tuned into the right podcast. Welcome to the WBS Podcast, where scalable growth using business systems is our number one priority. Now, here is your host, Sam Gupta. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the WBS Podcast. I'm Sam Gupta, your host and principal consultant at independent ERP and digital transformation consulting firm Elevate IQ. Do you know a platform that is fully integrated, whether you need mobile commerce, store experience, merchandising, or personalization? Do you know a platform that has out-of-the-box processes, whether you need BOPIS, ROPIS, curbside, or white-label drop-off capabilities? Do you know an e-commerce platform that truly gets the GTC experience with the merge of physical and digital experience? Do you know an e-commerce platform that is truly unified commerce? If you guessed Kaibo Commerce, then you are right. In today's episode, we invited a panel of industry experts for a live review of Kaibo Commerce capabilities. We covered its strengths such as unified commerce capabilities, the omni-channel experience for retailers with physical presence, and the integrated mobile POS experience. Finally, we compared its weaknesses, such as poor documentation because of acquired products, inconsistent UX experience, and legacy programming model for some of its acquired technologies. With that, let's get to the conversation. Hello, everyone. Welcome to today's show. And if you are joining for the first time, this is part of our e-commerce series for which we meet every Wednesday at 5.30 p.m. Eastern. We review one vendor or the solution. And for today, we have a very interesting vendor. It's called Kaibo Commerce. Um, So we are going to have a lot of fun discussing that. Before we do that, we are going to start with everybody's intros. I am going to start with my intro. If you don't know me, I am Sam Gupta, your host and principal at Elevate IQ. Elevate IQ is the independent ERP commerce and digital transformation consulting firm. On that note, I am going to move to Robert for his intro. Hi, I'm Robert Brown. I'm principal at Robert Brown e-commerce consultancy. Uh, We help small to medium-sized businesses implement their e-commerce solutions. Okay, amazing. Thank you so much for being here, Robert. And if you're in the audience and joining for the first time, make sure you guys post your questions and comments. We typically try to cover them during the show. If we run out of time, we will make sure you receive your answers. On that note, Robert, I am going to start with the quick briefing of uh, this solution, and then we can um, exchange our ideas based on uh, whatever research or experiences you you may have had. Uh, based on this uh, product line. And obviously, we are going to be talking about where they sort of fit in the ecosystem. Obviously, when we look at the e-commerce products out there, I think there are at least a million products. 
and sometimes it's very hard to uh, find out where uh, everyone sort of fits and we are always going to have surprises i don't know why commerce market is so fragmented that is something uh, i kind of like it because you have a lot more options but then it's also very hard to track uh, you know compared to let's say if you compare this with erp market or crm market you don't have a million options yeah it's you know it can be very daunting for the unexperienced because you know typically the owner of a company will task a team yep you know probably junior analysts to go out and do some research and and start the you know rfi process and if they don't have some guide rails they're going to pull in an awful lot of inappropriate um options exactly and they are going to take years <laughs> uh, because they are going to be wasting a lot of time with unnecessary details yeah like this one this and this is the first time that this has happened to us there's actually two products in the marketplace called kaibo so we have kaibo e-commerce solutions that we're covering today and there's also kaibo e-commerce tax solutions which is part of avalara so Let's make sure that if, if you go to look for Kaibo, it's not the Avalara product. It's actually a separate product. It's Kaibo e-commerce. Great clarification. And I don't know if there was any sort of connection there overall. Obviously, we are going to uh, look at the evolution of this product. This is relatively new, especially the name. Uh, you know, if you talk about the name, because they were born sort of in 2016 because of the integration that the private equity company did of a lot of different products in the market. And that's what uh, private equity companies are sort of good at. So Robert, in a way, when I, I was looking at this product, I was kind of blown away because I, I'm, I was thinking that, you know what, this is the product that I was looking for so far. I could not see this in any other products that we have reviewed. And I believe we have reviewed roughly what, 2030 right now. And the reason why I like this one is because of the unified commerce as well as omni-channel experience, okay? So we have looked at a lot of different best of breed options. For example, even if you talk about uh, your sales forces of the world, or if you talk about um, uh, some more sort of sophisticated options that are typically known in the e-commerce community, but they are also going to utilize a separate tool for their mobile commerce separate tool for their POS, uh, you know, omni-channel experience. And, uh, you know, I was thinking, okay, if I'm the apparel brand, if I am a brand that has a lot of stores, okay, I am not talking about grocery, okay, grocery is a very different ball game altogether. And I don't think these guys are really selling to grocery. So I am talking about brands that are not going to have as much traffic, I would say, in these stores, but not as light as your Shopify pause. I mean, these guys, in my opinion, I think have slightly more richer pause for the omnichannel and the kind of brands that they have worked with. Uh, you know, some of these stores are like home goods stores and they are reasonably busy, I would say. I mean, they are not going to be Walmarts of the world uh, where you have 50,000 people standing in line. <laughs> but you are looking at roughly what every 15 minutes another customer, I guess, you know, that's going to be probably the traffic. Well, I, I think, you know, taking a look at, at the list. So for, you know, just for our audience sake, I'm going to name some of the companies that, that use them. Adidas, yep. Wrangler, uh, Mizuna, so clothing, Dunkin' Donuts, yep. Office Depot, uh, Subaru, Jelly Belly, and 
a big department store, Boskov. So, you know, that definitely shows. Oh, and of course, my M&Ms, you know, the company from my back, back, back door. They're literally like a half a mile from my back door. That shows the integration really does work. Just to be clear, and I don't know what level of depth these companies are using from this solution. I don't know if they are using for it for the whole unified commerce experience, because sometimes the only thing they are going to do, maybe e-commerce, maybe mobile uh, commerce, but for pause, I'm probably going to be using something else. And by the way, if you look at their offering, they can sell this in bundles. You don't have to buy everything uh, from Kaibo. So that's another distinction that they have. But the real advantage that I see with this particular offering, Robert, is going to be when you are going to be utilizing this for unified commerce. And in my opinion, I think that's where the challenge is. Even if you are able to get best of breed, for example, let's say if you get, I don't know, Salesforce commerce or maybe commerce tools, okay, for the commerce, and then you are probably going to get Bloomreach. And again, for the experience management, I'm not as worried because that is actually not part of your transactions. So that can be siloed. I don't care if you want to utilize best of breed. Even search, uh, if you want to utilize that that best of breed, I don't have as much problem. But when it comes to the transactional integration, and when I'm saying transactional integration, that is going to be your ERP-centric workflows, which is going to be your e-commerce, mobile commerce. That is going to be your POS commerce. Um, you know, when you look at those workflows, when you are looking at processing these returns, when you are looking at uh, you know, buy online, pick up in store. That's where the real complications uh, is in the fulfillment, in processing these orders, in accommodating different statuses uh, for the order. And that's where, uh, you know, that's always been our challenge overall. When we try to patch, you know, these systems together, it's very, 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 very hard to integrate. You are always going to have holes in your architecture. And that's where I guess uh, these guys are trying to provide humongous value uh, with yep. respect and, to unified commerce. And there, there's actually... Uh you know, a, a paper on their site about the buy online, pick up in store from yeah. Boscov and how it really helped their, their revenue growth. Yeah, could not agree more. And again, if you are really implementing buy online, pick up in store, you have no idea how difficult that is. Uh, you know, if especially if you are using fragmented systems, typically if you are using two, three, you might be able to manage, but if you are using four, five, six with different add-ons, Good luck uh, with, with, with doing that. Uh, you know, <laughs> you are going to have a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. So some more background and, uh, you know, overall with uh, this particular private equity company and Robert, I don't know whether you have background with them or not. Uh, I believe they are called Vista Equity. Okay. And uh, recently they have also announced that they have spun off Aptin from their portfolio. Okay. So if you look at the private equities background, they were always very sort of, uh, you know, retail focused. And one of the things that they, they do really, really well is they are going to be buying these, uh, you know, underappreciated assets. And they are, number one, they are going to change their marketing like, you know, you have not seen before. Okay, that's how good their marketing is going to be. So if you look at Kaibo right now, if you there look at their marketing material, oh my goodness, you are going to blow away with the presentation that they are able to make. So that is number one. Number two is going to be they buy legacy technology and they don't believe in sort of rewriting the whole technology. They believe in integrating it. That's what they have done with Aptine. If you look at what Aptine is today, obviously Aptine has grown a lot, 
but what these guys are trying to do is they are taking exact opposite approach from your headless vendors headless vendors are trying to pitch best of breed okay they are trying to claim that you know what you are going to buy all of this best of breed and don't worry we all know how to integrate but you have no idea how how difficult that integration is going to be when you are going to be buying all of this best of breed obviously let's not even talk about millions of dollars that you probably require for the custom integration so these guys what they are trying to do is they are trying to provide pre baked integration for the products now uh, the products that they have if you look, and i was trying to find the demo video for this product and i'm like okay if i look at the marketing uh, if it is going to be new sexy product just like bloomreach i am blown away okay i'm buying blindly this product but you know if you look at the product it's probably going to have really clunky interface okay i could hardly find uh, you know some of them i don't know if everything is clunky so the other thing that you are not going to notice when these private equity companies are trying to buy obviously they are trying to buy some very very new products some very very old products because they are smart okay from the demo what they are trying to do is they are only trying to show the the commerce platform but then you are going to um, see very patchy experience in some of the products and the documentation is going to be super weak as well uh, overall because some of these products were written by developer or development team of five they didn't have time for documentation code 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 boom product is ready selling who cares for documentation when we all five understand so obviously you are going to have all of those challenges uh, you know with some of these legacy technologies that they are carrying but integration is still key for this particular product yeah they you know vista is making big inroads in e-commerce another one of their big investments is klarna exactly exactly so that's the another uh, you know point i guess you know they have and that's probably the reason why they uh, spun off um uh, at team because you know klarna is so hot and yep. they are really investing in the retail space so why to invest in <laughs> in aptine at this point of time yeah the another big one that i've i have personal experience with is mind body so mind body is yeah. a, a health club sports and entertainment uh management tool yeah yeah and uh, you know these guys are really good to be honest i mean yeah. i love uh this equity the kind of work that they do and again i don't think uh if you are going to find okay if you can ignore the legacy experience i don't know how uncomfortable that is going to be to be honest okay if you can ignore that i don't think anybody in the market can match the price point that these guys can can provide as well as the implementation time because again mm -hmm. the integration is going to be pre-baked uh that is going to be really hard to find uh in the market okay so if you don't have any other comments let's start uh with the slide so here uh you know this is the slide from 2016 and this is where they had announced that they had launched uh, a new product uh, you know in the private equity and by the way this is where i see the future of a lot of uh, headless brands uh robert so what is going to happen is i guess one of the private equity is going to acquire all of these headless brands they are going to combine integrate and probably going to create head as well and then they can sell it as the integrated experience because now the underlying technology is far superior and they can do faster development based on that so that could be a play for um, some of these uh, headless platforms mm -hmm. so here this is the announcement in 2016 so they are saying uh, today announced its acquisition of five run is the mpaz and i'm pretty sure they probably compete with your new store uh new store uh is the platform the the mpos platform mpos platform right uh that is 
from the guy who founded your intershop as well as the demand where now this is his third startup so now you know he is with that and i guess you know salesforce is actually trying to sell all of that right uh, so that's what you're going to get with salesforce commerce so here i'm pretty sure uh, these guys are competitor of that platform isn't it time for him to just go fishing for crying out loud yeah right <laughs> Exactly. That's what I would do if I were in his place. <laughs> um, oh, boy. Uh, here, so obviously, they have acquired a lot of different platforms. So here they are talking about the acquisition and merger of software leaders. Uh, this is Market Live and Shopatron, right? Uh, the addition of five run will create a unified omni-channel commerce solution company called kaibo okay 2016 is the date uh beginning of 2016 five run is best known for its experience reinventing in-store mm -hmm. commerce through cloud-based solutions built on the most advanced technology in the world i looked at, looked at the screen of the mobile experience robert i don't know how i feel i mean i could not really see the the mobile app to be honest so i don't know whether they really have a mobile app or it was just a site but at that time, the technology may have been sexy. It does not feel that they have the, the best technology in mobile. But uh, yeah, 2016, you know, the, it, a lot of players would claim that they were the best. I mean, there was still a lot of technology that was vying for, for the, the foothold, if you will. I completely agree. And if I go back in 2016, I guess the Angular and React, uh, they were sort of there but they were not as mainstream. I, people were sort of doing the POCs, uh, if I remember. I don't know when was the, I think 2012, 2013 must be the start when it really started picking up that, no, 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 no. Uh, Node.js is probably going to be the go-to platform uh, for all of the web development. Um, so 2016 was, so it, it wasn't there that, okay, no, 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 no. Everybody sort of living in React now. <laughs> Yeah, because it was, it was around 2017, 2018 that PWA started. Exactly. I agree. I agree. Yeah. Okay. So here they are talking about the multinational retailers and brands allowing for new features and capabilities that extend retailers' existing systems. Market Live and Shopatron to form Kaibo creates the most robust end-to-end -end cloud based commerce solution for retailers. And okay, um, a lot of fluff. Okay, so Kaibo provides everything retailers need to run an omni-channel commerce business. And this is what I personally like, to be honest, okay? So if you look at the store experience, the store has very complex workflow. If you talk to any of the merchandisers in shops, such as fashion, okay, uh, accessory, you talk about any sort of sports goods, okay? Merchandisers, they typically are the leaders of the business. Yeah, you know, CFOs, they don't have a lot of clout in that business. Because it's the business is running because of these uh, merchandising planning folks, right? So they typically have a lot more cloud. I have never seen uh, merchandisers and planners having as much cloud as they are going to be in that business. Again, because they have the design sense. They have the, the product sense. Typically, product management is going to be part of that organization as well. So their workflow is going to be very complex. Typically, even procurement is going to be part of their organization too. Um, so it becomes very powerful organization in general. Well, it, it, there I'll disagree with you. So it really okay. depends, it, it depends on uh, the retailer itself. Okay. So some retailers, the buyer is going to be the god. 
The, okay. the buyer is just going to be the, the, you know, the buck stops here and they're, they're going to be the ones that are pushing the pawns and controlling what the merchandisers do. Now, the merchandisers do have an extremely important role yeah. in making sure that, you know, you get a high conversion rate, that it looks good. It has a great user experience online, but the, um, depending on whether it's a physical merchandiser or a digital merchandiser. So some people get that confused because they are two different skill sets. The physical merchandisers you know, that's a whole different ball of wax, you know, walking into a store, dealing with that in-person experience, figuring out what what the mannequins is, you know, the holiday season is upon us and they are already designing what Fifth Avenue is going to look like for all those windows. Yeah. 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 Completely agree. And I guess, you know, there is always going to be a thin line between, and again, that's what I said, the procurement is sort of part of that organization, you know, it reports to the same VP. Um, So depending upon, you know, how you want to look at that, yeah. So typically, the procurement as well as I would say merchandising design, the store management, they are probably going to have a lot of clout in retail business in general. Um, so, okay, so here, uh, and again, these guys are talking about number one, the as you correctly pointed out, that store merchandising is going to be very different than your web merchandising. Sometimes that is run by the same team, sometimes different team, they are going to have different needs, and that's where I feel. You know, when you look at the in-store experience and in-store experience itself, uh, you know, is seeing a lot of innovations. OK, uh, so what you are seeing in e-commerce, the same thing is happening in the in-store experience as well. For example, let's say if you look at the tools that the merchandiser are going to need to be able to, uh, you know, craft the experiences in the, inside the store. So typically they are going to have some sort of tool that they are going to be using to be able to do that so that a store manager can see what the, the VP or the director is trying to sort of, I mean, director is not going to go in the store and they are literally going to organize, uh, you know, they, they don't do that. So I don't know if you saw it today, but Meta just came out with an announcement of their, their newest toy Yeah. For, for AR experience. And it's a $1,500 headset. Yeah. It has um, multiple cameras, high res, so you can actually get an AR and a VR experience. So I think what they're planning on is trying to set up many of the retailers that have gone to their failed online experiment to set up AR experiments in their stores probably next year. Yeah. So AR experience is great. But in general, Robert, and and correct me if I'm off here, my understanding of AR experience is going to be once the merchandisers and the planners have sort of planned the experience, the AR is going to help them experience that. Meaning, let's say if I am trying to feel how my couch is going to look with my room, okay, I need to see whether this is going to fit or not. Uh, You know, let's say if I have green flowers, I don't know why you would have that, but how green flowers are probably going to look with your, I don't know, wooden couch or whatever. So that is the experience that AR is trying to do. From the customer perspective, I don't think that is going to help the merchandisers themselves in their job, right? No, no, no. It's not going to. No, it's not going to help the merchandiser in the slightest. What it's going to do is it's going to make them think more about the in-person customer experience and try to figure out exactly what information and experience they want to provide that customer. So I agree. You know, the first thing a customer is going to want to know is what's this couch going to look like in my in my apartment. Okay, yeah. fine. You know, I can turn on a little AR and it can plug that couch in there so I can actually see it, sit down in it, but still see, you know, the surround of my apartment, possibly. It could also be, 
having all the data points associated with that that could be pulled up like okay you know do you have this in stock and the ar should be able to tell them that can i order this right now the ar should be able to provide that to them so it's probably going to be removing more salespeople more back end and moving yep. and pushing the technology and the ordering up front to the customer yeah could not agree more great points okay so let's uh, look at some more details here so here they are talking about kaibo will provide the integrated search functions back end support for warehouse management shipping reporting analytics and customer loyalty program programs again that is the oms experience this is not supposed to be your erp or wms experience some people might get confused with this but the oms experience is equally critical as well especially when you are going to have this omni channel or the unified commerce requirement so here they are saying the site welcomes over what 25000 visitors i think this is the case study that they are reviewing a month on the so that's the kind of volume that we are looking at and this is the accessory business right and the new integrated order management platform from kaibo will allow those visitors to purchase genuine this is the kawasaki uh, case study i believe that's why they are saying kawasaki products uh, directly from kawasaki's distribution network by the way uh, you know we are talking about these uh, big box retailers with the physical locations but in this particular case you are looking at b2b with the one the b2b businesses that are going to have a lot of contractors that are going to have a lot of different physical locations as well especially if you are if your dealers are going to have physical locations you know this particular tool can work in those business models as well so i like it a lot to be honest yeah so in in this case you could ski the lake and jump the lake and then let the good times roll exactly 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 yeah okay so some more details here so one of the most uh, compelling statistics in uh, integrating the kaibo service was the amount of traffic brought to the dealers so obviously they are happy about uh, the leads that they are able to see what else do we have here i don't see anything else okay so this is the case study so let's move on to some more details so this is from the uh, fashion retailer uh, steinmart and they are talking about expanded visual merchandising capabilities for all categories and that's where the real play is in my mind and i don't think they are just talking about the e-commerce merchandising they are also talking about your physical merchandising and mm -hmm. those two have very different needs in general uh responsive design to accommodate customers screen size uh, orientation on various devices again this is a very different ball game this is what headless is trying to do uh, to be honest but look at the amount of development that you are going to need uh, across those devices and the problems that you are going to see well i mean if you if you look back here you know going back 2016 talking about multi screen was cutting edge at that time that exactly. was you know, that that was the entire mandate of responsive yeah and around to around that time is when i started pushing the concept of screen agnostic yep i agree i agree um the only comment i would make there is screen agnostic is great but i don't know how friendly that is going to be let's say if you are trying to and we have seen this in case of a lot of erp systems as well they all are going to claim that you know what your screens can work on any device whatsoever but once you start using them you know it's never going to feel the same experience right so that's where i think the headless especially when you are looking at erp supposed to be your internal nobody cares but for customers they are they are not going to use it and google is not going to be happy with it as well 
So that's why the native experience matters. But native, the only thing you need native is going to be your front-end experience. The other things are provided through API, and that's the whole premise of headless. See, when, when you start saying native, to me, that starts talking about mobile app. Exactly. And when you start talking about mobile yeah. app, then you have, you've got Apple, which is pretty standard in their yes. sizing. And then you've got the, the entire Android proliferation nightmare. And that's yeah. where, you know, you better have dedicated, you know, a QA department that has those devices physically, not a virtual test unit, but actual physical units that you're testing against to make sure that your, your app doesn't blow up. I've seen many mistakes on that. And that's, that's also when you're, especially dealing with e-commerce, you also have to start testing across different locations to make sure that the network that your, that your experience is not degraded depending on the network latency. Exactly. And honestly speaking, Robert, you know, when you talk about the native experience, okay, um, you know, uh, in mobile world, if you are simply thinking that, you know what, I'm going to create an app and going to publish to so many devices, so many OSs, it doesn't work that way, okay? You have to have the native experience for each of the mobile, especially the main channels, if you really care for that channel. And that's where I see the real benefit in headless because the whole idea of you know creating the website that is going to be friendly for every single device i don't know how comfortable i personally feel in doing the e-commerce transaction on my phone i never ever feel comfortable swiping my credit card on the website that is just mobile friendly you know i don't know about you robert but me personally i don't know what is going to happen because they might not even have tested it <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's why when, when it comes to online payments, I make sure that I use a source that's going to back me up. So I use my Amex. And if anything happens, Amex has got my back. Yeah, that's probably a smart idea. But in general, you know, I I, I still don't feel comfortable. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, it's like I'm, I'm not comfortable going to no-name stores and yeah. sticking my credit card into a, a chip reader with a high probability of there being a scanner there. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Great point. Okay, so some more notes uh, here. So this is another acquisition. Obviously, they have done a lot. Uh, in this particular case, this is Baynote. And this is the cloud-based personalization platform. Uh, with this acqu acquisition, Kaibo continues to strengthen its commerce um, solution. With Okay, so they are doing a lot of work in the personalization space as well. The only caveat I would have is if you look at their UI for the personalization tool, it's really outdated. So I don't know what they have done. I mean, they have a lot of personalization pitch, uh, but really clunky technology probably, uh, you know, from the old days. Um, and they have acquired a lot of them. They are trying to do a lot more work in the personalization. When I looked at Sitecore, Sitecore had slightly fancier UI, uh, but obviously then you are probably going to require a lot more development and integration to implement what this platform is able to provide out of the box. You know, we have, we, I think this is when you start to really try to figure out what platform you're on and what are you trying and, and what are you trying to achieve? Exactly. You know, these, these are mostly middle market companies. These, these are not, you know, the, the fortune 100s. So they, they have IT departments, they have some experience, you know, reading some of the reviews. Some of them are coming off of home built 
you know, in-house built programs. Yep. And, you know, so this allows them to rapidly expand their capabilities. Does it give them best in class? No. But if you're in the middle market, when you're making that kind of change, you're not looking to leapfrog that far because it's probably going to exceed your staff's capabilities. So you're probably trying to do like a, a giant step forward. And this would probably achieve that for you. Yeah, could not agree more. The only layer I would like to make is these guys are trying to focus a lot more on the personalization aspect. And in my mind, again, I will repeat myself that personalization does not need to be integrated. It can be best of breed siloed. Uh, you know, you can probably manage that. Uh, you know, it can the experience can be clunky with respect to integration. You should be okay because you are not part of the main transaction. The same thing goes for search as well. It doesn't need to be integrated as much. Uh, but, you know, for me, if I look at the, the enterprise architecture, for me, my the store experience, the store commerce experience, my mobile commerce experience, as well as my e-commerce experience, these three need to be super integrated. If you have any loopholes there, your BOPIS is not going to work. Your e-commerce, exciting customer service trends that you are trying to explore, they are not going to work. You mean I can't pick it up in... Uh... New Jersey, and I have to drive to Portland, Maine to pick it up. I need to think about that, Robert. I'll get back to you. <laughs> no, it's, it's what, what I'm saying there is if you don't have your systems aligned, you will send data where you don't expect and, it, and yeah. blow up your customer experience. Exactly. You know, I've, I've experienced that with some of the big box retailers here. You know, when I go to take a look and see if they have a part in stock that I need that I need to go pick up like now. And so many of them will say, okay, shop your local store. Yeah. And I go to shop the local store. And then for some reason, their app chooses to change the location. And so when yeah. I get down to the item, it says, okay, you know, you can pick it up in an hour. And I'm like, okay, great. And I go to check out and it says, it's in East Hanover. I'm like, but that's not where I was shopping. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly, exactly. By the way, I mean, see, you are talking about different stores. The same thing could happen right inside the store itself. Yeah. When yeah. you are actually moving from your your mobile to your pause, you know, right inside the store, you can have a little fun there because their systems are not going to, none of the, I, I don't know any brands that are going to have super seamless experience. It never is seamless. Yeah. So, okay, so here are some more details. Uh, so obviously they have acquired a lot of different platforms for personalization, for the integration. They are also trying to ride the wave of personalization. So here, this is another one, I guess in 2016, the acquisition of Mozu, uh, an uh, e-commerce cloud-based e-commerce solution designed to help uh, enterprise manage their entire online presence, commerce, branding, customer engagement and publishing in a single powerful, enjoyable experience. And again, I think they are trying to do the same thing as Sitecore, where you have the content experience, where you have the experience management. So a lot of things that you can do. But again, I am more concerned about that commerce, commerce experience. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> uh, okay, so here, uh, 2016 again. So they have acquired one more. And this is what Mephisto, uh, a market leader in the field of comfortable shoes that promote no, 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 no. Okay, so they have actually used the solution. Yeah. Uh, uh, okay, so realize the significant and immediate increase in e-commerce sales by increasing their in-store inventory. So this is the kind of brand that we are talking about. Our stores are very important to us. 
exposing a store inventory <coughs> has grown our online sales and this is where the play is guys okay it's not about e-commerce versus your retail okay it's always going to be e-commerce plus retail <laughs> okay that's where you have the real synergies as well as obviously mobile um, so that unified commerce experience is what uh, will give you a lot of mileage um, in terms of the competitive advantage that i believe only this platform can provide Okay, so 2017. So what are what are we looking at here? So uh, okay, this is some partner. They did some sort of implementation. Okay, so the marketplace is really good. Uh, they have roughly about 90 partners, which is nothing if you compare this with Shopify. But seems like they have something going on there. Uh, some platforms may not even have two. Uh, so good for Kaibo. Okay, this is Volt, and they are. Uh, the factory direct lighting manufacturer, and I love this space. This is very complex from the customer integration perspective to be on customer experience perspective. They have a lot of different moving parts there in this particular space, and they have a lot of different offerings as well. For example, your AR VR experience, Robert, this is the place to be. You know, for a if you really want to sell AR VR, it's the AV, uh, you know, lighting space. That's where the real play is in terms of the experience. So these guys have utilized this one as well. Uh, here they are talking about fully searchable website to quickly connect visitors into rich content, including product articles, how to videos, photos, and documentation. Uh, quick reorder functions for repeat customers. That's the B2B functionality. Uh, photo and design gallery to showcase projects by homeowners and lighting professionals. So that these are the layers that I'm talking about. You are going to have many different customer personas. They are going to have many different needs. Uh, and you know the experience becomes very complex in general. Uh, and then you have the experience store as well. And that itself is a very massive lift overall from the experience perspective. Um, okay. Uh, and they are able to utilize the same thing that we have been talking so far, that shop on one device and complete purchase on the next, uh, which in my mind is a mind-blowing experience. Okay. Uh, some more comments here. Store level uh, pricing, display store specific and location-based pricing to consumers on the digital websites to help drive in store traffic and again these pricing uh, you know scenarios could get very complex as well when you are moving from channel to channel and then you are going to have many different customer personas as well it gets very 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 complex to implement these things and these guys are able to provide a lot of that out of the box uh, then they have the store information management okay so you guys talk about pim but guys you need to worry about the store information management system as well so they are talking deliver out of the box uh, support for managing and customizing local store information, events, services, hours on corporate retail websites, saving overhead while promoting the local uh, presence. Um, what else? The in-store assembly, I guess. You know, that's a big deal. I don't know how many platforms can really pull it off uh, if you talk about the in-store assembly. And then you have the white glove, uh, you know, home delivery. <laughs> Robert, I don't know. You know, this is just mind-blowing. I don't know how many people can really implement that that is probably going to be really really complex because you're looking at a lot of different things you need to worry about the scheduling of the person who's going to be doing that they're going to leave the store so you need to maintain the resources who are going to be able to do that then you need the inventory a lot of lifts there i mean you know the way i see this business model but very unique and super compelling okay some more um you know, with with white glove home delivery, there is a lot of competition for that. And, you know, people could easily get confused with that because you think about, ooh, let me Uber it or let me, you know, all the little, 
you know, delivery partners that we have right now. And some people really don't understand what that white glove home delivery, you know, it's more than just bring schlepping the box into exactly. your home and putting it together. You know, that's been outsourced to a lot of different partners. Um, we just had our dishwasher replaced, you know, so we went to Lowe's, we bought a new dishwasher and they had a local plumbing company who, you know, brought it in, took out the old one, made it work. And that's it. Would that be considered white glove? No, mm, no, that would not. It's, it's, it's much more than that. And so it's really important, you know, for that high end when you're buying, say a Viking stove. Yeah. Right. You know, it's, it's that $6,000, $8,000 purchase. That's going to be the white glove kind of treatment that you're looking for. Exactly. So how would you differentiate, Robert? Let's say if you are talking about this from the offering perspective. So obviously one of the choices that you need to make is either you do it yourself or you simply hand it over to a local. Uh, so I, I, would, I would view that there's going to be levels of that. And, you know, so it it's knowing your customer and your product and, and where that mesh is. So there's home delivery. There's home installation. Yeah. And then, you know, there's, we put it together for you. And then I would say that the white glove is that depending on your location, you know, million dollar and up style home where they come in with the sheets and the white gloves and how they're actually dressed and what they actually do and clean up after themselves and make sure that they don't damage any of the furniture and, you know, don't, don't nick the walls and, um, you know, how they interact with the customer. So it's, it's a continuation of the customer experience. That's a little bit more than just, you know, we install and we take out the old one. Exactly. And the way I perceive this particular concept in my mind is when you are going to be pre-scheduling, let's say your dishwasher replacement, you are sort of making your conscious decision, whether you want white glove or not. And, you know, they have a lot of time to figure out who they want to send. In this particular case, you are walking to a store, okay? There you need to make sure the inventory is available and there you are sort of requesting the white glove. So now they need to make sure that you are committed to that product inside the store. They need to make sure that the technician is committed the way you are going to be doing, uh, you know, inside Best Buy, I guess. But then Best Buy experience is obviously going to be far superior because there at least the pause is going to be integrated. I don't know if their e-commerce is going to be equally integrated where they can sort of pop around. Okay, now I'm paused you know, inside. <laughs> you, you mentioned Best Buy, and I think this is probably a really good example. You know, I would say that the white glove experience is if somebody has ordered a brand new computer, a brand new gaming computer, they're going to yeah. bring they're going to bring the gaming computer to your home. They're going to connect it. They're going to make sure it's connected to the Wi-Fi. That exactly. It's connected to your hard line. They're gonna, actually going to do all the, the installs, updates, configurations, and make sure that it's literally the second you turn it on, it's ready to go do what you want it to do. That's exactly what I felt, to be honest, that these guys are able to do. And this is very traditional experience, olden days, you know, the guy at the store, they would come to your house, they'll take care of you because, you know, time was plenty, I guess. So they didn't have to worry about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> um, yeah, unfortunately, we've we've all fallen into the, like, here's your box, you get rid of it, you put it together, you you start it up and you, you can figure it yourself, you know, I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. All right, great commentary there. So, okay, let's move on uh, to some more comments here. So here uh, in 19, they have acquired one more. And by the way, this is a very interesting acquisition as well of, I guess, Sertona, right? The leading real-time omni-channel personalization solution. 
So one more. So they had, uh, you know, one before. This is 2019. The screen of this particular product is very legacy in general, if you look at their demo, okay? But then after this, they acquired one more. Okay, I don't know if they acquired And By the way, these two were the two leading ones in the market in terms of the personalization, and they ended up acquiring both. So, which is wonderful, but again, legacy technology. So, I don't know why they acquired. Maybe they were really trying to capture the market share. The obviously, the PE companies are really smart. So, this is also the AI driven uh, experience that was rated very high by analysts. So, now 2019, some more commentary here. So, do we have anything meaningful? I don't think so. B2B plus B2C, they can do both, which is also fascinating for me personally. Uh, they have decent B2B functionality. I don't think they are going to be as good with B2B as some of the other platforms that we have seen. Industrial B2B especially, I don't think these guys are fit because they require a lot more layers. But there could be a thin line between your contractors with a lot of different stores versus the real industrial distributors. So, you know, while, we, while we've been going through this, I started taking a look at some of the client sites and, and what they have done. And I'm not going to name names because that just would not be nice. Um, but I was looking at one of them. And so here they are. They're, they're using this really good product. I mean, I like a lot of the features that, that Kaibo has. Yeah. But they have so many products yeah. that it becomes unwieldy to find what you're looking for. So unfortunately, for a first-time visitor, the personalization can't kick in. When you've got 100,000, half a million SKUs, and you go to look for it, you're you're not using best UX, you know, in the menu structure. You're yeah. using the giant menu. So it's not yeah. seven choices, it's 47 choices. And then when you go, you know, look at them, it's just stream of product, stream of product, stream of product. And so my point of this is, when you're looking at these tools, you can still defeat the, the greatness of the, a product through individual bad design and architecture. Yeah. And again, the design is going to be relevant anyways, in respect of the tool that you choose. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah I, it's just, it's unfortunate that I see, you know, a player who moves up to, obviously they came from somebody else and they moved up to Kaibo and, and, you know, they want to take advantage of some of the, some of the tools that this, this, you know, that they had and they're shooting themselves in the foot with yep. bad UX. Just, yeah, could not agree more. Yeah, you can't solve those problems. I mean, that is the first. Then you can probably figure out your tool. Um, that's always going to be second. Okay, so some more uh, commentary here. I don't know if I have anything else on this one. Uh, overall, from the technology perspective, they are trying to claim that they are definitely unified platform architecture. They are able to provide the SDK. And Robert, I don't know whether you have seen this or not. But they are able to provide SDK. You can build a Node.js, PHP, whichever language that you want to build on top of your uh, APIs. They are able to provide the SDK. I don't know what you, all you can do inside that. So that is be something that should be something that you may want to dig in if you uh, want to talk to these guys. So that's pretty much it on uh, this one. Some more commentary. So this is the SDK that they are able to provide your React. Uh, based framework, and that was in 2020. Um, okay, I don't have anything else here. Well, if you, if you go back, so talking about, you know, the unified platform architecture, the next one I think is pretty interesting. The business process management engine. Yeah. And that, 
that that can be big because a lot of organizations are missing those processes. Okay, so let's talk about that. Okay, so I intentionally didn't want to touch on that because you know that could be <laughs> that that could be all over the place, and I have seen really really crappiest implementations. Once you get into the the real BPM BPM, you have no idea how bloated that experience could be. Okay, so when you talk about BPM BPM, could be all over the place. Okay, it's mm-hmm. not just the e-commerce e-commerce BPM. You are also looking at your other. So BPM is supposed to be your entire business. It's not supposed to be just the e-commerce. Sure, they are trying to throw BPM word to this one as well from the customer experience perspective. Great, but then let's say Aptine is going going to position that I have BPM. Apicor is going to say I have BPM. <laughs> Everybody is saying I have BPM. So which BPM are you going to use? <laughs> so here here here's the kicker, right? So. The executives are going to be get, get really excited because the sales guy said we have BPM. And then when it comes in house, who's going to end up doing it? The junior analyst who's never seen the light of day because they're down in the basement with their stapler. And, you know, they're, they're going to be doing their best effort to come up with the business process and, and put it into the system. And we all know that they don't have the experience to see the issues that they're creating. So they're, they're over architecting a solution that ends up being unwieldy and sometimes unusable. To be completely honest, the only thing BPM means in general, when you are looking at a company that is created by a finance organization, and that's exactly what Kaibo is, okay? That's exactly what Aptin is. That's exactly what Apicor and 4 are, okay? So one of the things that you are going to notice with them is they buy an IPaaS, some sort of IPaaS integration tool, and they are patching together all of these things and they are calling abstraction layer on top of that this is called bpm and it's nothing but your integration tool because that's what they use so they are exposing it to you as well that you can integrate whatever you want but in my mind that is still very integration tool nothing more than that well it's an integration tool with checkpoints and um approval levels exactly 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 Okay, so some more commentary here. So they have, uh, you know, acquired one more ad link, the audience creation tool. I guess we saw that in this in a lot of different platforms. Uh, I believe your Sitecore had this. Um, Salesforce Commerce, probably uh, SAP Highways, if I remember, I think you could create audience in that as well, and probably HCL Commerce. So again, this is a very interesting tool and the capability. Uh, a new audience creation tool that enables marketers to effectively, efficiently personalize the on-site experience for traffic from paid media campaigns. So the use case is slightly different, okay? But, you know, even if you're bringing all of this, for me, number one, you are sort of creating the audience once you have the paid media. So my understanding is going to be when you are doing these campaigns, you probably already know who your audience is. So now why are you creating the audience again? It's all over the place in my mind. I don't know what it does to the audience, if it is going to have any real value in the experience or not. Curbside pickup is a big deal. I have not seen curbside pickup so far with any other platform. That's a big deal, guys. And if you really want that, probably this is going to be the platform that you want to be looking at. The Kaibo POS came late, and I don't know how robust their POS capabilities are going to be. If they can pull off the grocery experience the busy sort of the aisle experience, then I'll be really impressed. But I don't know. Based on their demos, I don't know if it is going to be as thick, to be honest. So these are some of the customers that we were looking at, Robert. I don't know if you want to touch on any other customers that we have 
we have been i don't know if there are any outliers but for the most part this is going to be the combination of your physical experience as well as e-commerce experience that's where i see their play it's not the industrial distributors um or anybody else yeah i mean you know there there's kind of a hodgepodge here so they've got a bunch of you know clothing um companies like you know heli hansen top yep. of the line um they've got one travel company travel lodge uk yeah um They've got, you know, Boskov, which is um, a major retailer here in the Northeast. Um, so it's an interesting mix that they're they're representing here. They actually have significantly more that they haven't um, surfaced in the in this particular image. It's I, I just think you know it, they've got a really solid footing, and given everybody that they keep purchasing, they're definitely a solid play for a lot of people to take a look at. Yeah, but the common thread here is going to be that physical store, the POS experience, as well as the whole unified commerce experience. And yeah. that is where, yeah, otherwise they could go to anybody else, I guess. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, you know, to to nail that down, to reaffirm, you know, what you just said, if you're looking for an e-commerce solution and you do not have a physical store presence, multi-physical store presence, then this is probably not the solution for you. You should probably just look at a straight, you know, e-commerce digital experience. But if, if you've got stores, multiple stores, and you've got lots of SKUs, um, you've got a fairly large customer base, definitely take a look at them. Exactly, exactly. Could not agree more. So this is the uh, merchandising view. And in, in overall, if, if you look at this UI, this is very slick, okay? But then you are going to look at the next product that is going to be super clunky. And that's how these acquired companies work, integrated companies work. One product is going to be really good. The other product is not going to be as good. So this is very, very, very slick experience uh, for the merchandiser in, in my mind, very clean uh, in general. Okay, now this is, the, this is the experience manager, okay? This is also for merchandiser, but different. <laughs> and now look at the UI. Oh boy, <laughs> they are going to hate it. And by the way, this is for fashion brand. Okay, and I, when I was looking at in 4 PLM, I was like, okay, who's gonna buy this? I'm a fashion brand here. <laughs> okay, and then you are showing me a really clunky UI where I am selecting colors from a very clunky palette, but this is worse than that. <laughs> and the, these guys are supposed to be e-commerce brand. So I don't know, maybe the capabilities are not there. That's why you have to buy such, that this is really bad overall in terms of UI. Okay, the mobile experience, Robert, when I'm looking at this one, it feels as if this is just the website, to be honest, okay? And it's a very, very, very busy website for the mobile experience. So I don't know how comfortable I'm going to be feeling in buying anything on this. I mean, so even though on paper they are saying I'm unified commerce, but not sure how good the experience is if I look at their screenshots across the channels. And if I could think of operating, let's say, Walmart on this, I don't believe so. And even their pause probably is not going to be as uh, friendly either for the busy cashiers inside the store. So, all right. I guess, you know, just we can cover one review here. I don't know what they have. Uh, I don't I don't think we have anything meaningful on this review. Obviously, this is the enterprise customer. Um, and they have roughly, what, 1,000 employees, so which is a big deal. Most of the reviews that I have seen, they seem to be liking, especially for the unified commerce uh, experience documentation people are complaining documentation is going to be tricky and that's what i would feel because these are all acquired companies yeah yeah and, and that that is going to be true for everybody so 
a number of years ago, I, I was head of North American support for a software company, and I could not keep the documentation up to date because the, the constant release, we were always behind, always. And so it got to a point where I stopped printing manuals. It all went straight to digital. And, you know, we we had a help desk that just kept getting calls. It's like, how do I do this? You know, and, it, and you know, the documentation just could not keep up with what the development team was releasing. So, uh, Robert, I am going to tell you one thing. If you really want to figure out, okay, which is the good product versus bad product, okay, I would not recommend looking at the product itself. I would recommend looking at the documentation. You can predict how good the software is going to be based on their quality of documentation. I guarantee this, Robert, okay? You go to SAP. Look at the SAP's documentation. Their documentation is supposed to be the product itself, okay? That's how good the documentation is. That's why SAP is so good in general in terms of their development quality as well as documentation quality. So you go to Salesforce. Salesforce has really, really awesome documentation. And that's why everybody sort of, even for developers, it's an amazing experience. Shopify, go to Shopify. You know, they have one of the best documentation in general. Sure, there might be some complaints, but you know, the whole product is one and the documentation is going to be one as well. So again, you know, if you look at the top class products, top software development company, they make sure that the documentation is going to be. And you know what? And that does speak to the organizational mindset because you actually have to have the technical writers to yep. write the documentation, which means you have to spend the money in a non-revenue situation to support your customers. And if, if you don't provide the budget to keep that up to date, it's going to hit you in the butt. Exactly. And that's why software development is expensive because you need to hire marketers to be able to write the documentation. And that is something everybody ignores. If you go to any mom and pop shop, you know, they are going to say, oh, I have wonderful product. Look at the documentation. Nobody can understand what that product mm -hmm. does. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Any other comments, Robert? Nope. Okay. Amazing, guys. So that's it for today. If you joined for the first time, this was part of our e-commerce series for which we meet every Wednesday at 5.30 p.m. Eastern. And we review one vendor or the solution independently. So make sure you guys are going to be here next week. We are going to come back with another vendor or the solution. On that note, thanks, everyone, for tuning in tonight. Good night, everyone. I cannot thank our guests enough for coming on the show, for sharing their knowledge and journey. I always pick up learnings from our guests, and hopefully you learned something new today. If you want to learn more about Robert Brown, head over to rgbecommerce.com. It's rgbecommerce.com. Links and more information will also be available in the show notes. If anything in this podcast resonated with you and your business, you might want to check other related episodes, including the interview with Noemi Kiss, who shares her insights into how the water industry works and how its sales cycle differs from other industries. Also, the interview with Jacqueline Laffer, who shares her insights into the Shopify paths and the challenges associated with international payments. Also, don't forget to subscribe and spread the word among folks with similar backgrounds. If you have any questions or comments about the show, Please review and rate us on your favorite podcasting platform or DM me on any social channels. I'll try my best to respond personally and make sure you get help. Thank you and I hope to get you on the next episode of the WBS Podcast. Thank you for listening to another episode of the WBS Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform so you never miss an episode. 
For more information on growth strategies for SMBs using ERP and digital transformation, check out our community at wbs.rocks. We'll see you next time.